From the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Farm and Ranch Management Team in the Department of Agricultural Economics, this is Nebraska Farmcast. I'm Ryan Evans. Reducing carbon emissions has become a central focus in addressing environmental and sustainability goals for governments and many private sector industries. That means agriculture producers and landowners may have decisions to make if they are approached about carbon payment plans or carbon markets. That raises many new questions for farmers and ranchers who should consider how practices associated with generating carbon credits will impact their operation. For more on this, I'm joined by John Westra, professor and program leader here in the Department of Agricultural Economics, who has authored a new article that's available now on our website, farm.unl.edu. John, thanks for joining the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on today, Ryan. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about what producers should consider when it comes to making decisions about carbon markets. But first, can you give us some background on what is meant by the term carbon market? Sure. And, you know, like with anything, Ryan, there are lots of definitions for this. So this is just uh, kind of my take, my interpretation of this. But essentially, a carbon market is a market where you have willing buyers and sellers of of carbon credits. And so in in this case, a carbon credit is something that is generated through a particular activity. And then there is a buyer on the other side who's willing to buy that. And and, uh, that's in its simplest terms, what it is. Now, you know, like with everything, uh, the devil's in the details, and that's kind of what this um, uh, this little article that I wrote was about, was just giving some um, uh, background and maybe some food for thought for people that might be considering going into this area. And that's important right now, as we know through our work with Extension, that producers across the state are having a lot of questions about this emerging market. So why, in your view, is agriculture perceived as an industry with lots of opportunity here? Sure. Uh, the, the main reason is that, um, well, let's backtrack a second and talk about, um, so with, with carbon markets, you got to have a buyer and you got to have a seller. So the buyers in most cases are... Um, Oh, companies or firms that have made commitments to uh, reduce uh, carbon emissions, become carbon neutral, whatever, whatever that may be. They've made a pledge, a commitment to reduce their carbon footprint, so to speak. And so they're in the market for ways to help them achieve that goal. And so one of those is by buying carbon credits. Now, agriculture has a potential uh, big role to play in this because, you know, with carbon, there are only a few places you can store it. And one of those is the soil. And since the earth has a lot of uh, surface area that is soil, and a lot of that is farmed in some way, shape, or form, going to agriculture as a way to help industry uh, solve this issue is is an obvious way of doing that. And so since agriculture is a part of, of uh, soil management, uh, you go to where that is and that's um, you know our, our growers, our producers in, in Nebraska and other states and in other parts of the, of the world. 
And can you talk more about the industries that are participating in this market to this point as buyers uh, who's in the game right now, who's maybe looking to get into the game? Sure. So, um, you know, as I said, there's a lot of companies that have made commitments to reducing their carbon footprint, uh, becoming carbon neutral, and, um, and some of them uh, in uh, the ag sector in particular have, um, uh, so, um, so far, started down that path in terms of trying to get credits, buy credits. And so one of the companies is Bear Crop Science. They've made commitments uh, globally. They're working currently in the US and Brazil with uh, growers to reduce um, their carbon footprint by buying carbon credits. And so that's one company uh, in the, in the, uh, the article I talked about kind of, there's a couple, three different ways that carbon markets have, have kind of evolved so far. And one of those is the direct buyers like uh, Bear Crop Science, who basically work directly with producers to uh, generate credits, and then they uh, agree to buy them at a certain rate. Uh, and then there's uh, other companies that work through, uh, it's kind of like a uh, combination aggregator and market maker. So there's a, uh, some of the companies, including Indigo Ag Carbon or Indigo Carbon, as another company that essentially serves as a, um, a broker where they both uh, sell and buy credits. So they work with growers to uh, create those carbon credits. And then they have buyers that they work with. Um, you know, there are a couple of companies um, that uh, participate or listeners might've heard of, including, um, Oh, let's say there's some financial companies, Barclays, JP Morgan Chase, um, Spotify is a company that's looking to become carbon neutral. So they're participating in this. There's some brewing companies that have, you know, made uh, pledges to reduce carbon. So they're participating in these kind of um, aggregators like uh, Indigo Carbon or Indigo Ag Carbon. Uh, and then there's the third way, which is through, um, it hasn't quite been developed completely, but uh, is a government entity like USDA that would work with, with uh, growers and then potential buyers. And that, that's not uh, fully developed at all yet. So that's not really an option for growers right now. So. And as producers are approached by these firms and even the government eventually, what are some common agricultural practices that might create carbon credits? Sure. And, and then how might that payment be calculated if you can weigh in on that? Sure. I can, I can talk about uh, both aspects of that. Um, so first, there's a set of practices it, that currently are being um, um, presented to growers as ways to reduce um, or to create carbon credits. Uh, and that will grow over time because part of it is they need to verify that those credits have indeed been created. So there's a whole set of processes in place there for, or that will be developed to help with that. But for example, uh, for crop producers, um, so uh, implementing cover crops or increasing the time that cover crops are on the field or the intensity, uh, the types of crops that are grown in that cover crop, 
setting. Uh, there's also increasing uh, diversity of crop rotation. So having, you know, more continuous living cover on the land. So things like hay might be part of that or, or uh, uh, small grains as opposed to just corn and soybeans. There's other things like, um, oh, like filter strips that might be put into, into operation where you've got a permanent um, um, patch of land in a particular field that's in some kind of a cover that has a variety of purposes, but one of which would be because it's in kind of a permanent cover would be to store carbon in the soil and create carbon that way. And then uh, adjusting the fertilizer uh, rates or ways that you fertilize. So more of uh, injection as opposed to surface application or split applications or nitrogen inhibitors. So there's a whole range of practices on the crop side and then the livestock side, there's some things as well. Um, but one thing to remember is that with most of these uh, practices to receive payment, and I'll get to that payment, what that might be in a minute, these have to be new practices or changes to existing practices. That's one of the criticisms from some sectors of these practices is that, you know, what if you've been doing these things for a while now? What if you've been growing cover crops or have a diverse rotation or filter strips or whatever? Uh, the carbon market, even though you've been uh, theoretically creating carbon, uh, because it's nothing different than what you've been doing, oftentimes the, the buyers aren't gonna pay you for that because it's nothing, it's not an additional credit. Uh, so that's a, that's a limitation that some people have, have uh, criticized these markets for, but you know, that's, that's another whole topic. And then how are they paid? Well, that's, again, that's complicated as well because <clears throat> it's oftentimes a function of how much credit uh, is being created and that grows over time, depending on how many years the practice is in place. And so with most things, you know, the first year, there may not be as much carbon created by that practice. And so over time, more carbon might be stored. And so the payment may uh, vary over time. And the other thing to remember is that with most of these uh, systems, the producer isn't paid initially. So there's upfront costs that they're going to incur with implementing any particular practice. And so they have to be aware of that, that they're not going to be paid until later on, kind of like growing a crop, really, where they're not paid till it's harvested and sold at market. But in this case, the market may not be for two or three or five years. So uh, just be aware of that uh, potential um, uh, situation that they're facing as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, great. And, uh, you know, these are management decisions, as you stress in the article, like any other decisions a farmer ranch has to make. And there are lots of things to consider before entering into one of these contracts. So uh, what's your advice to producers who are maybe looking to enter into one of these agreements? What are some questions that you might recommend they ask? Right. So that's, um, you know, at the core of it, uh, economists are great for asking questions, maybe not having answers, but 
But, uh, you know, you've got to ask those questions um, as tough as they may be. And so with, with this um, market, as with any market, producers need to approach this as they would any other management decision. And, and first and foremost, they need to be asking themselves, how will the practices that are associated with creating these carbon credits um, whatever those may be, how does that fit into your existing operation? And, and then secondly, part of that is how long will you have to do this for? So how big is that or how long-term is that commitment? And so, you know, you think about that, some of the management decisions that producers make may be just for a year, the growing season that's in, in consideration. But others, for example, when they're looking at, you know, maybe putting in some kind of a livestock operation or changing some of their uh, livestock um, housing or equipment, it may be a commitment to go down that path for 10, 15, 20 years because there's a considerable cost associated with that. You know, they've got to buy this equipment or put in these buildings and and so that's gonna commit them to this particular practice for a long period of time. So those are things that they should really seriously be considering. So for example, when you're looking at this, uh, you know, creating carbon credits, how does that fit in with your current operation? So if, if what you're looking at is um, maybe something like changing uh, or putting in cover crops, for example, into a, uh, a traditional corn soybean system, which we have in Nebraska. Okay, so what does that entail? Well, you know, is the uh, equipment that you're gonna need for this already on hand? Can you use your existing grain grills or other planting equipment to plant the cover crops and to harvest the cover crops and to uh, do any management in between planting and harvesting. And then, and then related to that is, you know, one of the things that we face in the Northern climates like Nebraska is, well, the window of opportunity for planting a cover crop is, is pretty narrow because we're harvesting grains, corn and soybeans late in the season. And so planting and establishing a cover crop can be tricky. Now, there's a lot of producers that do this, so it's not foreign, uh, but you got to think about time commitments because is this taking into time that you might be using for harvest, or is there a time when this isn't going to be conflicting with other operations on your farm? So those are some of the uh, just operational things that producers need to consider. Uh, there's other things that they need to think about as well, and that is um, you know, as I said before, there's there's costs associated with this. So, um, you know, they're going to have to, um, uh, you know, buy seed, for example, for the cover crop. Uh, they might have to put on, um, I don't know, maybe depending on what's going on there, they might have to apply um, herbicide or some other agent to uh, terminate the cover crop at the um, in the spring. There may be some other management uh, practices that they have to uh, take on as well and costs associated with those. So those are some of the things that they want to think about for certain. And then the other side is, what are you going to get paid? 
And when might that happen? So if you're incurring these costs for the cover crop, for example, uh, to create these carbon credits, but you're not getting paid for a year or two or three years down the road, um, you know, what's, what's your, what's your um, cost benefit there, so to speak? Uh, or what's the, the, you know, the internal rate of return for that? So these are some things that they might want to think about as well when they're looking at this. Uh, if producers have questions about entering this market, what can they expect? Are they, is it on them to seek out a uh, contract or are they being approached by firms in the industry or, or how does the entrance into the market work? Well, that's a, a great question. Now it's from what I'm hearing, it's a little of both. I mean, there are, um, you know, like bear crop science and um, Indigo have approached uh, some producers. Uh, they've sent out feelers. Um, uh, they've, they've talked about the particular um, uh, system that they're considering, that they're trying to manage uh, in terms of, you know, direct buy, like with bear crop science or through, um, you know, like Indigo and their, their system that they've got set up. Um, but others have been, um, uh, like, for example, with Indigo, they have a website where you can go and um, it's kind of a self-serve system where you can go and uh, log in, create an account and start that process as well. And then they'll have people that'll reach out to you to, um, you know, look at what you're considering and, and, and get into the, the specifics about what that might look like. So I think the thing to, to consider with any of these though, is, um, you know, what are, as I said before, what are some of the upfront costs that you would in, 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 uh, incur that you would experience? Um, how does it fit into your management decision? Excuse me, your management practices currently into your operation currently? And then what are the long-term commitments to this? Because with, with any of these systems, <clears throat> these carbon credits are gonna be a long-term uh, prospect in terms of, it's not gonna be something that you create and then three years later, just uh, plow up and then the credits are gone. It's, it's more of a long-term commitment. And so that's the other thing you need to be thinking about is how long does this uh, tie you down to this particular practice? And that's, the, that's another critical aspect of this because uh, you know, if you're gonna be obligated to do this for 10 years um, or 15 or 20, uh, I think it's, it should be th thought of more uh, like CRP, for example, the Conservation Reserve Program that, that many growers have experience with that, uh, you know, they're, they're um, uh, obligated for uh, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, uh, a commitment of that length. And so that's really what um, uh, producers need to be thinking about when they're looking at this. So, yeah, it's a lot to consider, uh, but as I, as I said in the article with any of these, I think the best advice is the, um, you know, that old adage that economists and business people have of caveat emptor, buyer beware, 
or in this case, seller beware. Just make sure you know what you're getting into. That's John Westra, professor and program leader in the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Thanks to him for joining Nebraska Farmcast today. And you can find a new article he has authored on the subject of carbon markets and questions that producers should be asking about this potential management opportunity on our farm and ranch management website at farm.unl.edu. This has been Nebraska Farmcast, a production of the Extension Farm and Ranch Management Team in the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. For decision-making tools, articles, podcasts, videos, and more, visit us online at farm.unl.edu.